it's just different. Um, and we're live, but, uh, nice. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's just different. I can do the same type of thing or get, get people on, but say whatever the fuck I want and <laughs> right. not, not have to worry about anything or whatever. Not like have to worry no, about no, things no, anyway, no. but yeah, you get to choose who you want and who you don't want on. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Dude, have you seen this? I want to show you. I want to start with open this episode with this video. Have you heard of Mister Four Ninety? He's a Damon Smith no. Supercross, or like he was like a Supercross Junior. So I found out about him through Alex. He talks about him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh no. But but basically, so basically, <clears throat> from what I understand is, um, he was basically like a junior level, like C class, like a local rider, like he would be that lo- like skill level or riding level. Uh-huh. And he went to all of the AMA. Like this is back in the day. I don't know exactly how it works, but you could get your pro license a different way now, or like it's harder now. Like you have to do futures and all, and you have to win and do, you know, yeah. hard stuff. But like he would just go to every race and get point, like one point at a time by uh-huh. getting last or whatever it is, get one point at a time, one point at a time until he got his AMA pro license. <laughs> and then he raced Supercross for. I don't know, a year or something. Uh, anywho, now we just have to watch this video of this guy <laughs> who filmed him, um, and it's uh, it's hilarious. So watch this. and Tell me if you can hear the audio. I, you should be able to. Yeah, could, could you yeah. hear that? Okay. Yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. watch this. That's it. Maybe. What? Why is it doing this? Come on. Okay, there we go. Oh, there we go. All right. Wait, where's the video? <laughs> what the hell? I've never had this happen before. Oh, no. Let's try again. There we go. Maybe. Then it cuts out. No, this is ruining it. This is It's so good. I'm gonna let it buffer for a second. Oh, yeah, look at it. You can see like you can the... see right when I'm scrubbing here. You can see uh-huh. the freaking thing. <clears throat> All right. Oh, here we go. Here comes our boy, number four ninety. Definitely wins the Courage Award. Stuff like that, unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> the bar tweak is really just a thing of beauty for this guy. No doubling through the whoops. It's probably not faster. Just slow and steady. Oh my God. This guy embodies this the like story of the tortoise and the hare. Yeah, and the commentary is just gold. He's got the step on. No, no step off yet. We're not trying to get fancy, okay? Coming into the last turn. You can hear the guy talking, right? He really oh, knows yeah, yeah, what yeah. it means okay, to stay okay. low, not clearing the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, better than I mean, I there was a rider that oh, for I sure. Yeah, hundred percent. It's this guy, number four ninety. I don't even know his name, but. He is a real champion. He hasn't done this triple yet. We're waiting for it. It'll come back. All right, and we're back. That was cool. Oh, oh. and he goes down. <laughs> He's okay, though. This guy's a real trooper. I mean, if you're going to fall, you might as well fall in the comfy sand, right? <laughs> People pay good money to lay in sand. Oh, that's good. Does he go over the triple now, though? I, I, I kind of doubt it, but... No, doesn't look like it. I think we're just going to roll through everything. Get a good feel for just it. Just roll through I everything. I mean, we've just only had everything. like 40 laps on the track. Still getting to know it. <laughs> you know what? I've nice and easy guy. through the whoops. Super Damon smooth, Smith though. is his name. 
Yeah. Mr. Swagger 490 is his nickname. Uh-huh. Or like his Instagram name. Oh, oh my great. god so I, <laughs> I just remember alex talking about him and then I, he told me to watch that video like a couple years ago or talked about it on the show <laughs> yeah. and i wanted to talk about supercross t- tonight too and i was like oh my god that's For like sure. that's so fucking funny just obviously he's like better than most people but it's just he's oh, so yeah. squ- he's so squirrely it l- so last funny. place in a supercross race is better than like any local pro like yeah exactly that i grew up racing with or you know who are around racing today and still hitting big jumps too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But just like so squirrely and that guy's commentary is just fucking gold. Like, yeah, that's funny. We're just going to roll everything. Um, yeah. So Mr. 490, he's funny. So, all right. Now that we're, uh, we're in the show, um, let's, uh, tell people, tell the people listeners about yourself just a little bit. You don't have to go super in like when you were born or whatever, but like, what do you do? I don't know anything you want to share with like kind of about yeah, you. Let's, uh, I don't know. I think let's talk about, uh, my journey in CrossFit cause it's been uh, a long time. I've been sure. uh, at this since I got introduced to CrossFit in 2009. So I've been doing it quite a long time now. 2009, it was my freshman year up at UNR and I, Freshman year was going to the Lombardi, the the gym there. That's that was Lombardi then. They don't. It's not Lombardi anymore. But uh, or the, they don't use that as the gym anymore. But uh, Lombardi, it was the. I had been going to the gym every single day and whatever. I've always been into working out and and uh, the gym manager that ran it. His name was Johnny. He and I just started becoming friends. Uh, uh, I talked to him every time I'd come into the gym. We'd chit chat and small talk and whatever. And then he uh, got me. At, he, he told me about this new in 2009. CrossFit was absolutely nothing, and he just told me about this, uh, you know, this new type of working out called CrossFit. And you should, I think, you'd really be good at it because you look like you're a fit guy. And the first workout I ever did, he had me do Cindy, uh, five pull-ups. 10 push-ups, 15 air squats for 20 minutes. And he's like, just do that and just see how you do and let me know. Let me know how you like it. And I remember doing it. I didn't know I was doing five strict pull-ups and push-ups. And, you know, I don't remember how I did. But ever since that day, he every day he'd have me do, like, some new type of workout, you know. And, uh, and then it was my... And so it was slowly like getting me like into into this CrossFit. I did again. I didn't have any shoes. I didn't have. There was nothing back then for 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 CrossFit. Then, in one of my new semesters, it was my uh, second semester as a freshman. I signed up for what was called um, part of my major. We had to do uh, these one credit classes called PEX PEX credits and. Uh, I signed up for this class called general physical fitness. And I remember walking in the first day, it was like 8 a.m. First thing in the morning, go in there, general physical fitness. Like, uh, you know, I I can do this. I don't know what general physical fitness is. And uh, I go in there the first day and, you know, I remember the teacher was supposed to be, I think her name was supposed to be, her name was Allie or something. 
And I go in there and it's this guy that's in the front of class. I'm like, that doesn't look like an alley. And <laughs> we, everyone's sta- standing there and we're like, and he's like, uh, guys, it's no, this class is no longer called uh, general physical fitness. It is now called CrossFit. And some of you may know about CrossFit is some of you may not. And, and I had already prior like done like a, you know, half a dozen or a dozen workouts prior to this. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, you know, look at this. And uh, the coach is named Drew Canavero. And uh, I don't know where he is today, but he is part of my, because he was such a good coach. He's part of why I'm still at it today because I had such a good time and so much support from him when I was 19 years old and I'm 33 now. And, uh, and when, you know, so I think those classes were two or three times a week. And I mean, when we first started doing this, I mean, I didn't, all we knew was all we were doing is jumping pull-ups. And I mean, Lombardi didn't even have anything for CrossFit. Like we had this, we, we had this uh, rig that we would do pull-ups on, but we would, we would be in the basketball courts and the indoor basketball courts in Lombardi. Some people out there might know this, some people may not, but, uh, and we would take the, this rig that was not mounted to the ground to do our pull-ups in, and that we would move it out to the middle of the basketball courts and put uh, rubber floor mats down so it wouldn't like mark up the floor. And you've seen the, the, the rig at, at double edge, how much that shakes, like doing pull-ups and stuff and toes bar and whatever, yeah. like this, this rig would move the thing. It was so like, you know, that's all we had, you know, no, they didn't have a dedicated CrossFit area. And, and, um, but you know, we made it work and, you know, we just put mats down everywhere when we wouldn't, when they would lift. Um, and, I mean, that's where I met so many people that are still doing CrossFit today, like, you know, Alvie um, that used to be at the gym and, you know, the, all those guys, I think they're all at, like, you know, a lot of them are at upstate Nevada now. And, um, you know, I've been working out with them since, uh, you know, again, 09. And uh, we, we, um, and after, after I was, doing that credit class, I just was hooked, you know, and then they started implementing a class just like, you know, we have at Double Edge, you know, or at, uh, you know, any CrossFit gym, you know, you could go to, you know, those certain dedicated hours. And that was just my thing. I would go every single day. And uh, my first year in CrossFit, um, they wanted me to compete. Uh, we put together a team and there was actually starting to, there was uh, before the Open, years ago it used to be called the CrossFit sectionals so sectionals was in we put together a team from UNR and I thought it was so super cool that like oh they wanted me to do this I had never been like you know chosen to do like a I always raced dirt bikes and did like individual sports and never did like a team thing uh growing up and uh and I thought it was pretty neat that, you know, they, that's badass. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I caught on to CrossFit pretty well, you know, early on I was, you know, as strong as fit. I got, you know, got it down pretty good. Um, but we did this thing called CrossFit sectionals and that was in Utah. And I remember we, we would train at CrossFit initiative. They're still around today. Yeah. Still there. CrossFit initiative. It was after hours. We'd go there from like, I think it was like, 
an a couple hours a day, you know, it was like from eight to 10 at night and we'd work out and, um, you know, train and, and Drew, who was our, was my, co was my coach for, uh, um, uh, for that PEX credit class, he was our coach for our team that we had, that we put together. Um, and, you know, I remember just training, doing that and going to, uh, you know, I had, again, I'm like months into this and we're, we're going to cross it sectionals in Utah, Ogden, Utah, I remember. And, uh, I remember just going out there and like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I, I was, <laughs> CrossFit had been a few years into it um, at this time. I don't remember exactly like the when CrossFit started as a as a uh, you know um, at doing these sectionals or whatever. But you know, I remember us showing up and just like, oh my god, these guys, and they're still at it today. Like, I remember one of the guys that was working out, Tommy Hackenbrook. Um, he is a teams. Uh, uh, games out coach, right? Teams coach now, but yeah, I'm like working out next to Tommy Hackenbrock, and this guy's just this monster, and just being so out of my element because I've never like really competed against like people who are good then and like and what they are today, and like and most of those guys are still working out today, but they're like games level athletes now. Uh, Miranda Oldroyd, I think her name is Street. I think she runs a podcast called or not podcast but uh yeah street parking whatever that oh yeah you oh, ever, miranda you, yeah you know her or worked out with her we, we, yeah she, her and her husband worked yeah, Julian? out julian julian uh -huh. they were yeah, they, they were they back are... at sectionals i remember like looking Holy at these shit. guys like they're they're like in the girl you know she's in the girls division just like oh my god they're so amazing and i'm just this like average joe guy what are we Damn. doing all like putting together and again this was the open <clears throat> back in 2009 when i started this and you know, they would take the X, you know, you'd have to finish in the X, you know, the top, whatever. I don't remember uh, how many uh, spots you needed to finish. But again, like, you know, I remember, you know, we had to learn double unders. And like, I see people like working on double unders today and like how difficult that was for me to, um, back then. Because everybody that I was working out with there got double unders like immediately. You know, they had never done, but we never had like speed ropes back in 2009 or like the jump, the double under ropes today, you know, with bearings and everything in them to make them super easy. We just had like, we'd go to Walmart and just buy a, a jump rope, whatever they had in, like, the, in the, in the workout area. And that's what we used. And, uh, I remember trying it and I couldn't do it. I, you know, I remember in the workouts, like I was so defeated cause I'm like, I can't do double unders and. I knew I could do everything else, but then it got to double unders and I just couldn't get that rhythm down. And, and, um, also the other, th I don't remember the other, uh, movement that was so, uh, just foreign to me was muscle ups, ring muscle ups. I never done it before in my life. And like, that's what I love today is watching, like knowing what the struggles that I went through when I was brand new at this and thinking like I was good and like, um, but getting humbled too with such these mundane, simple movements, what might look like today. Like we do all the time. We do double unders all the time. Muscle ups, maybe not so, but uh, still they're, they're a very difficult movement. At least they were for me. And, you know, I remember after the section I was coming back, just getting, you know, did, you know, thought I did decent for, you know, brand new, but I remember just being 
so nervous going into those, um, going into competing at sectionals because I had never been in any type of a situation like that before. I'd grown up dirt bike racing, but it's just different. I was confident in my dirt bike racing. I knew where I stood, but in CrossFit, I didn't really know where I was, you know, I knew where I stood in the gym, but when you started competing against other people, it was like, oh man. Um, and coming back from sectionals, I uh, remember I worked on, I knew all my weaknesses. I knew I could do everything decently well. But back at the time, again, double unders were brand new. Nobody, like, they were the brand new movement of the time. And yeah. just practicing, practicing, practicing. And that's why I just, you know, people that are struggling with double unders today at the gym, I always be like, the best thing that you can do is just practice 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 a little bit every day and that's what i did for you know weeks after and it took me weeks and probably even months to finally hone those skills and finally i mean broke a couple of double under or broke a couple of ropes over the my the journey of learning double unders and you know muscle ups have always been a struggle and they're definitely not my uh forte today but i can do them now but uh you know in that you know, that's kind of concluding sectionals and like that leading up after that. But, you know, and then Lombardi started really putting um, focus into creating a CrossFit area of their gym. And then that's when uh, they built out uh, an area. They did some renovation to, to Lombardi and, and then they did a, a, a dedicated CrossFit area. And I mean, Again, ever since then, I was doing it five days a week. And I mean, I was even think I was doing six days a week at back in college and going on Saturdays. And I mean, however many years later, I'm, I, it's my life, you know, I, I love right, it. Yeah. You, know, you know, I was dirt bike racing then. I was a pretty successful dirt bike, uh, dirt bike racer, off-road desert racer, um, raced in the expert class in Moran, the local desert race series, and, uh, you know, have a championship in the 250 expert class, you know, during that, during my college career and while I was CrossFitting. And I was using CrossFit as cross training for my, for my dirt bike racing. Yeah. I was just going to ask it, you that. Did you think that it, it would help, it helped you? It hundred percent did. So I, and I'll never forget when people were, when I was racing during that time and they were like, how are you, what are you doing different? What do you, you know, I was getting, I was getting questions after the race, like, you know, cause I'd be done with the race and be like, you know, not, not that tired. And, and I'd be like, cross, it's the only thing I've changed in my life, you know, doing it more, you know, cause I had been racing since I was uh, nine years old. And when I was, 19 when I started um, CrossFit doing this much as I was um, that was the only thing I was you know I was always doing exercising growing up and and that was always a natural athlete but the only thing changing in college was again uh, CrossFit and my racing went way better because in desert racing you'd have to be our races would be anywhere from two to four hours two to four hours um, 80 to 120 miles on a dirt on a on your bike so it's pretty physically taxing um so 
and doing these CrossFit workouts really was a good training tool for me to do to help me with my with my desert racing. So, uh, and that's why I'm like, man, these things are working hand in hand together. So, it was you know something that you know helped me helped me a lot. And uh, and then with injuries, injuries are what ultimately took me out of dirt bike racing. Um, and but the only thing I had, uh, I've had a couple injuries in my life, you know, with dirt bikes and just being an active guy. Uh, but the thing that still gets me today is a shoulder injury. I've had three uh, shoulder dislocations over the over my life, and I've never never had any surgery or or anything like that. And I I give it to CrossFit for that's really that's my biggest type of physical therapy I should say or not uh, that's helped me keep my shoulder health intact because uh, any orthopedic surgeon that I've ever been to with my shoulder dislocations has said you know when I tell them I do CrossFit they just like cringe and be like oh, oh yeah. how do stop you do that, that. And stop right. doing CrossFit don't ever you know don't ever have your shoulder or your hands you know you always want to you know like doing overhead squats or handstand push-ups or anything pressing overhead you know that's just like a no-no for them but I'm like I've had three dislocations and I've done CrossFit five days a week every single year since I was you know, 19 years old, and I've never had an, you know, that's never caught, you know, I've never had my shoulder dislocated in CrossFit ever, and, and, uh, and that's what, and I think CrossFit too for helping me stay healthy, you know, helping my shoulder health, you know, and strength, because uh, I don't want to go through surgery, and I want to do everything I can, and I mean, you know, look at today, I can, do most stuff, but yeah, do I not want to have, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to like muscle ups and stuff that I do, uh, you might see me in the gym do like, uh, or pull ups, do a switch, switch grip, um, yeah. an overhand underhand with my right side. That's my injured shoulder. And that's been a good way for me to, uh, feel more confident. You know, with I, the cross, I see a lot of people, with, a lot of people do that. You know, yeah, and I I am the one that uh, kind of started that at the gym. If you see that yeah. at the gym, I'm the one that people will like, and they'll ask me like, "What? Oh, what you do? Or you know, why do you do uh, the switch grip with your pull ups?" And I'm like, I've had some shoulder injuries in the past, some dislocations, and this has been the only thing that I can see that. Uh, that I can do that helps because in the dead hang and like a pull up or a really pull up. It's weird why I can do like a bar muscle up and not have that thing feel like it's going to dislocate. But in the, with, yeah. a, with the pull up, <laughs> excuse me, um, doing that switch grip really uh, helps like that. Seems like I can lock that shoulder into place and uh, not have any uh, uh, feeling of having it slip out of the socket because it's uh, not a great feeling. But uh, uh, just some of the things that I've done to uh, help me uh, you know, stay at this thing without having sure, an injury. Dude. Take take me out of it, because uh, fucking fourteen years of CrossFit, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a long time. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's. And we we had a we had a question. Gosh, I think you know, 
couple year ago or or so when Jacob goes or does like a, a question of the day and he's like and he'll ask like how long have you done CrossFit and you know the majority of the people are a couple years one year you know less than a year and then be like 14 years you know? <laughs> so it's uh people are definitely like to see like you know people that have you know they ask you, you know, it's cool that you stuck with it. And, For you know, sure. I, I love CrossFit because I love the competition, competitive aspect of it. You know, I've been competing at dirt bikes for so many years. And, you know, this has been a great way to transition out of racing and competition and competing and getting to do it every single day. You know, you're, you're competing with yourself and with the gym and, you know, the people that you're working out with at the gym and, uh, keeps me motivated. And, uh, it keeps me going. So I love yeah, it. And it's fun, man. I mean, Oh, I love it. And I love the variation. Every single day is new. Every single day is I've tried the whole working out by yourself in the gym, you know, at, at home. And I, I have a garage gym and have all the weights and the pull up rig and everything. But I just, it's just that you don't get the same, same workout. Me personally, some people might, but me personally, I love the community that, CrossFit gyms bring. I love meeting, you know, some of the best people, like-minded people at the gym and you share all the same passion and, you know, and everything. So working out by yourself just wasn't something that I thought when I transitioned out of Lombardi because the, uh, the, the membership there was you paid every semester. And I think every semester was like a hundred, I forget the exact, it, like $150, just just say that, 150 bucks for a semester. That went a long time. It's not just by month. So I'm like, okay, CrossFit's super cheap here. But after I graduated, they stopped allowing alumni to get uh, gym memberships. So I was forced to have, to, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to go to a CrossFit gym. That's stupid. You know, I don't want to pay, you know, CrossFit membership fees. I'm just going to buy a CrossFit gym or a, a garage gym. So I built out in my first house, I built out one of the garage spaces, uh, the whole gym mats, everything. And I, you know, worked out and would do stuff, but I would find when I would work out by myself, I would program workouts that I liked. Oh yeah. And I was never going to get any better. The stuff you know, I liked certain things. I'd like, you know, certain things. And I'm like, I, you know, just the motivation was hard to, do something that you didn't want to do. I mean, I had the rower, I had the bike, I had it at all, but, and then I had a friend of mine get me into his CrossFit gym that he had started. And I told him, absolutely, I'll go. You know, I don't, uh, you know, I'll support you. I'll support you, I'll, I'll come. And, you know, I started going a few days a week and, and really liking the community aspect of, of, of CrossFit and getting to work out, work out around other people. And then I started just going five days a week with him. And then, but I always knew of double edge and I always like, okay, I'm at this gym, but it's not, you know, it's just not Hold really, on. if I'm stop right. There. What do yeah. you mean? You always knew of double edge. Like what, like what does that mean? Well, because I had grown up or I, I had uh, started CrossFit with these you know, like Al, Alvy and I had known of Jacob and, and, 
you know, the people at the Dublin South. And I... Is that like through because you knew Alvy and he worked? Yeah, I knew that they were, they were coaches at... Or he was the coach at Double Edge. And, okay, but okay. I, I was going to uh, another gym down the street. And... and But Double Edge was always on my mind. It's like, this facility is so cool and it's so nice and big and and just so, such well, so well built and and uh i mean when i started crossfit and i don't know if they're still were called today they were called crossfit boxes and so typical like crossfit gyms were just in warehouse buildings and so they would open up a garage, a garage door and it's like you got this little like small little area to work out in and that's kind of like how my first uh, uh experience of a uh, crossfit gym outside of the uh, outside of unr was and but then I looked at Double Edge and it's like, wow, this place has its own building, you know, bathrooms, like it's so cool. And then my dad, I got my dad into CrossFit. Uh, I can't remember the year, but he's been doing it a few years now. And and it was at our friend's gym and and we had a family health issue and health scare that happened. And I kind of had like a one-on-one talk with my dad. I'm like, dad, you're getting older, you know, and you're living a pretty sedentary lifestyle. I want you to, you know, be here as long as possible. And, you know, and you don't really work out as much as like you used to. And, you know, it was his mom, my grandma passed away uh, overnight. Like she was the healthiest, healthiest lady ever. And she woke up one morning, had a heart attack and died right there. And it was wow. super, you know, scary for the whole family because we have a super small wow. family. And you saw this lady that was the healthiest, drove every single day, went on daily walks. And, you know, but just like the little health scare that can pop up and just take anybody out at any time. And and I just was, you know, I think my dad really saw when his son came to him and said, Dad, I want you to come work out with me because I want you to start living a healthier lifestyle because you used to work out and he got injured racing dirt bikes as he was the one that got me into racing. Um, he got injured. He broke his leg. He actually broke both his hands one year and then broke a leg the year after and from racing, race, from racing. Yeah. yeah. And he used to work out and run my dad. People at South know my dad. <laughs> he didn't like running. He used to love running. He used to run he used to run a couple miles like every single day at Lakers tennis club. And, and he used to run all the time. And, but after his leg break, he had to have a, a plate put in his leg and stop, stop running, stop working out and just, uh, not, you know, wasn't living a sedentary lifestyle. Like I said, so I, I, had him come to the gym with me and we would we were going to uh this crossfit gym every single day and it was doing really well and then we both we both just said hey you want to go try double edge out you know we weren't we weren't happy at where we were sure we weren't super happy with where we were we didn't think we were getting a lot of value out of our dollar at our last gym and so we went to double edge or so i remember doing our first uh um we went in and did our intro with uh we did our intros with Joel back when he used to work at double edge. Yeah, he did and, my intro too. Yeah. And he knew my past and how much time I uh, had 
had at CrossFit. And he's like, you know what? We don't need to do any of this. And just got us right into the four o'clock class. And I mean, I think I've been at Double Edge now for four years and love every moment of it and can never see myself anywhere else because it's uh, such a great place. I think it's got to be longer than four years, right? Because that's I've been there for four. I mean... When did you start? You I've been doing it me. so long. It's just all yeah. a blur. Well, it might be like <laughs> yeah. five, but it might be five years. Now. Yeah, but four or five years that I've been there. Yeah, I'm I, always four I o'clock. Mean, always four o'clock. I've been four o'clock since at prior gyms. At the prior gyms, just that's when, is that when you go at like UNR two afternoon? Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, that was a class like that that I did. Yeah. Uh, and when I first started out, I was a uh, seven thirty or eight o'clock in the morning and. It's funny how like times changes where like, you know, there'll be like a Saturday class. I'll go to like eight o'clock now and just like dragging ass. Like I just don't, I don't know how I, people work out early and I, I don't know how people go to that 530, but that's, I know 530 is different than 730, but still like uh, the morning I, I do so much better at four o'clock and, uh, and it, we've built such a great little four o'clock class. I mean, we have such great people there, I think. And uh, for sure. Yeah. And, and love it, you know, so, uh, and I've got to see four o'clock, you know, I mean, before COVID we were, we were quite, uh, we had 25 people per class, you know, we had some serious classes and COVID kind of made that, uh, cause that to fall away or fall off. And then, you know, slowly building up to an hour, we got some, uh, big classes again. And I enjoy, I enjoy working out with, uh, can you see that? Yes, Jacob yeah, has so, all, and I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so it's good to, I mean, I was just going to read it because people that are listening, if they don't see this, but yeah. So Lindsay asked, uh, has Jacob always been your primary coach at Double Edge? Jacob has always been my primary coach at Double Edge and I, he is one of the biggest uh, reasons of my success today. He is such a great coach with knowing my ins and outs. And that's one of the things I think he's so unique is he knows everybody and why I think we are so lucky to have him as the four o'clock primary coach. He used to be just four o'clock only. And then when Joaquin left, it's four, five, and six now. But when we were, ha I'm like, wow, not only is four o'clock my time that I've always gone to, I also get Jacob as my coach, my, my primary coach who is, I think, such a great uh weightlifting coach and crossfit coach and which is really neat because some people might be better at one or the other he's i think he's really good at both and uh knows each and every one's uh each and every person's strengths and weaknesses and which is uh really special to have for a coach yeah for sure and he, yeah, he's awesome i mean everybody that knows him or has been to his class, has heard of him coaching, heard of him in general. They would, I think everybody would agree with that. Yeah, I think uh, like when we do maxing with the coaches, when people like see, oh, wow, Jacob is such a good weightlifting coach. It's like we get that every single day. And I don't think a lot of people understand like the quality of coaching that <clears throat> Double, Edge, Double Edge has and then Double Edge South specifically with Jacob. And I, and I you know, am grateful for it every single day. Yeah. Yeah, well said, dude. That's a yeah. That's a <laughs> good uh, CrossFit story. Um, going back real quick, just your injuries. So you said you've had three shoulder dislocations. Shoulder all, dislocations. All from yep. all from moto. 
Uh, only one actually. So in this in the summertime, my family and I spend a lot of time at our houseboat and do a lot of water sports. And when I was, I think, 16 years old, I had dislocated my shoulder for the first time doing a, a water sport, doing something behind our ski boat. And when it dislocated, I'll never forget that day. I remember popping up out of the water and just my shoulder was stuck. I, I, my arm, I couldn't move my arm. It didn't hurt. And uh, all three of my dislocations, nothing ever hurt. But it's just like, you're, it's the weirdest feeling in the world to have a shoulder dislocate. And popped it back in. Actually, I remember when, I remember with the boat circling around, I'm like, hey guys, I can't swim. My shoulder, something's going on with my arm. Got me out of the, got me out of the water. And nobody knew how to, nobody knew how to pop my shoulder back in. I didn't know what happened. I was young. Didn't know what, a, you know, didn't know. I've never had this injury before. And I remember still having, I had a, two firefighters. I'll never forget that. Two firefighters. So they have obviously EMT training and everything. They were on the boat. There were some friends of ours, uh, some family friends uh, were there. And two firefighters are like, try this, try this. Nothing was having my shoulder pop in. And then finally, like 30 minutes later, had a, there was a, another uh, family there that had a uh, their daughter was a nurse and the nurse was like try this and finally had my shoulder to, shoulder pop back in but man it's an injury that I don't I'd rather break any bone than have a shoulder dislocation it's really? just yeah I've had I've only had um but two other injuries I've had a <laughs> well um my dirt bike injuries have been collarbone breaks all on my right side so my, I've had three right shoulder dislocations and three collarbone break breaking breakages of my right right collarbone so my right side is a little uh yeah it it pops it you know it it makes all sorts of noises and stuff and uh but again all i do is crossfit and that thing is healthy i mean i guarantee you most orthopedic surgeons would say the how the hell are you not in surgery and it's like you know what i crossfit every day and and it's kept in intact, you know, and then I remember my second dislocation was a year after I was doing a water sport, water sport behind the tubing, tubing. I was on a tube, oh, dude, the first little wave and well. dislocated my shoulder. And it's like, God damn it. It takes so long. I don't know. For me, a shoulder dislocation has taken like weeks for to recover before I'm even remotely healthy again. And I'm like saying remotely because it's a long-term injury that you live with every single day. And then I rehabbed my shoulder pretty darn well for years. Like, again, I dislocated my shoulder and which ultimately took me out of dirt bike racing uh, was at the Virginia City Grand Prix. Oh, man, I was probably I was in my 20s, uh, mid 20s uh, racing and dislocated my shoulder at, at a, the Virginia City Grand Prix one year. And I remember after it dislocating, knew, knowing ah, I'm done. I, I don't think I'll be able to come back from this because it was just, I knew that it was kind of in the back of my head at all, you know, leading up. But I had so many years of no dislocations that that last time it happened, I remember riding back into the pits and being like, Dad, I, I, I dislocated my shoulder and I don't know if I'll be able to do this anymore. And then I remember I tried to race like 
two weeks later and it just wasn't the same. My shoulder was, was jacked up. So, and I remember having that conversation with my dad because dirt bike racing was my life. Um, that's all I did. That was my sport. People, you know, people followed football, baseball, basketball. I dirt bike raced. I watched super, I, you know, followed the supercross racers. I dirt bike raced and, uh, having that conversation with my dad saying, um, uh, you know, I don't think I can race anymore. And he was super supportive. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, he was my, he was my pit crew, uh, growing up and he and I shared this passion together and, uh, of dirt biking and telling him, I don't think I can race competitively anymore, which was hard because being a, a competitive expert level, uh, dirt bike racer, I just, I couldn't confidently go into races anymore with a shoulder injury like this. And, and got out of racing and kind of was looking for my new, you know, and that's when, you know, time went, you know, got in, introduced to CrossFit and uh, kind of found my new, you know, competitive sport to do now. So, yeah. and I love it. Was that, uh, was that heartbreaking when you couldn't race anymore or were you? Were oh, you it was like... very, very much so. Cause I, I'm like, yeah. I told myself, you know, this was such a big part of my life and this injury, I don't want to go through surgery. Like I don't, I know what that takes. I've had, my brother had shoulder surgery and it was months, like almost all year for him to get better. And it's like, I just, you know what, if I can't race anymore, that's fine. I've been racing all my life. Like I've, I've got so many trophies. I've done what I've had to. And I think for the family, especially my mom, she was uh, going to be happy with that because she never, yeah, uh, always. she supported me. She supported racing, but she, uh, when I told her the day that I was going to stop racing, uh, uh, didn't hurt her feelings. So <laughs> right. we sold, we sold all the bikes and I uh, said, yeah, I don't think I'll ever be able to ride again. Yeah. I can't just go out there and trail ride. Um, and you know, that's changed. You know, I, I don't have a bike anymore, but there's a few years ago I had some, I had a dirt bike and, uh, tried to do the trail riding thing again. And I actually raced not, I raced uh, the Virginia city grand prix, uh, probably four years ago. And I had, after probably seven years of, or, um, four years ago, but three years prior to that, I had quit. So I had a few years of just, and I just cold Turkey raced it, cold Turkey raced were you, it. And were you trying to just like casually race it or were you like trying to go hard? I was like, you know what, let's go, let's get back at it again. And, okay. um, I was like, you know, the Virginia city grand prix is such a cool race. And, uh, if, if people have heard about that, you know, it's, uh, we raced right through the town of Virginia city and all through the Hills and uh really neat thing. And, uh, and, and race then. And, but just as life goes on and, you know, as you get older, it's just hard to dedicate all the amount of time it takes to uh ride right now. So for me, it's been sold the bikes and don't do it right. Don't do it anymore, but I definitely want to get bikes yeah. again and uh, get back on the, on the saddle again so <laughs> get some seat time dude seat get time. some seat time um last question on that is were you like did you give up racing like so you're like you were accepting <clears throat> of being done because like were you afraid to hurt it more or because like you couldn't hang on to the handlebars anymore or fast so or you couldn't jump anymore thing, so with with desert racing which i specifically did it's all it's going fast through the desert. So we're, we are, 
you know, it's high speed stuff. It's no jumping and there's no air. There's no, that's why I like watching like motocross and supercross today. It's like, man, those guys are crazy. Cause I don't understand how to jump. Like I just, I tried motocross early on, but never, never enjoyed jumping big. And I'd rather go fast on the dirt or fast on the ground. And, uh, that's why I succeeded or I, I did pretty well with, uh, with, uh, desert racing, but, uh, with desert, you're going to have these whoop sections, these whoopie doos as some people call them. And, uh, all throughout the course, you know, f- through your 50 mile long course, you can have 50 miles of whoops. You can have one mile of whoop, but you never know what, what you're going to get in a race. And the biggest thing that I was noticing was when I would go through whoops, the bike would want to pull away from you and go back and forth. Um, and when that bike would want to pull away from you, if, had that feeling in my head like it was just my shoulder was going to keep going and dislocate and it was really playing with my head and it just it wasn't working out like i in a dirt bike race you cannot have when you're competitive you cannot have stuff like that bother you because you're just never it's what's the point so Mm -hmm. it was constantly i was constantly thinking about constantly worrying about uh constantly you know worrying about it having to potentially dislocate and i'm like that was it was I shouldn't say scaring me, but I was definitely on my mind and it just, it just wasn't working. So it's just like, what are we doing? So with having that constant fear caused me to, again, say, this is probably okay. time to call it, to call it quits. Gotcha. So. Awesome. Right on, dude. Um, what do you, what do you do for work? What is your, what, so what you, I do. You know, what's your career like? What 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 is your title? I it don't is know. something that most people would never think about. That a thirty three year old who's been doing this since I build, restore, and deal in classic cars, classic cars, classic motorcycles, and everything that's antique that has an engine in it. I I deal in. I my business is solely online. I I sell to buyers all over the world. I restore classic cars and deal in classic cars that are anywhere from like the thirties all the way up to now the seventies I'm starting to get into. I'm currently building a 1973 Ford Bronco, um, completely restoring it to original. Badass, dude. Yeah. And then the motorcycles have always been like in my blood. And so, uh, those are specifically I build bikes for from Japanese motorcycles and some British motorcycles and from the nineteen sixties and seventies and some into the eighties. It's a very niche niche business that I'm in. I, I deal with people who are probably collectors mainly, right? Forty, fifty or just the age group. They're much older than me. And so yeah. when they hear me talking because when we were talking on the phone to somebody you don't know how old they are or what they look like. And then I'll get the occasion. How old are you? And they're like, wow, that's crazy that you know this much about such old cars. Cause that's, it takes, not everybody can do what I do. You have to get into it. And it takes a lot of knowledge to accrue over years. And I started doing this in college. Um, actually I built my first hot rod. I built my first, uh, car when I was, I was in high school. It was my senior year of high school, and it was a 1936 International Harvester pickup, um, totally customized. Um, 
and I would drive it to school and not a single person knew what it was, but everybody loved it. Everybody was like, that's the coolest thing. And, and I had that car for, I had that car for like, God, 15 years or whatever, drove it everywhere and just started. My dad was always into cars. Um, my dad and his friends always had old cars and I'd always been involved with, uh, riding in old cars growing up and, and then when I was in college, I was a friend of mine got me into like kind of like buying and selling stuff, old cars and parts and uh, stuff from like the old parts from like the. Yeah, there it is. That, that, I built that when I was 16 years old or 17 years old. Yeah. This is your first one here? Yeah. Yeah. This For thing people is badass, dude. So th- that thing went through a couple of different uh, transformations over the years. But uh, yeah, I built that. And so. It, that's what got me into doing what I do today. <laughs> so, and if people see like all the little parts that are involved with building stuff like that, I deal in stuff with. I help people find, and I, I find all these rare parts on on this truck, like what you see, like the wheels and like that engine, super unique, and the stuff that goes in that engine. I also uh, uh, sell parts the people that will build a car like that and so it's uh super unique and again i started doing this i started doing it as a hobby in college and making money at it because i was actually going to go into physical therapy in college and went through my undergrad thinking i might want to do physical therapy and just wasn't for me i just didn't like didn't like it. I interned. I did all. I tried to do it and tried to. Yeah. I had a bunch of hours into interning with physical therapists and just, you know, that's not what I get up every day and want to do. And I want to build cars like that. So that is what uh, I do. And, you know, I do it every single day. And it's, uh, I'm a one man band. I get my dad, as you can see a theme with this. I spend a lot of time with my dad. He's For like sure, one of my best awesome. friends. And, uh, he helps me. He's now semi-retired and uh, loves helping me wrench on cars and and uh, build cool cars like that. So, and then we build bikes too. So I I deal in a lot of bikes. I do definitely more bikes, motorcycles today than cars because uh, just for space reasons, uh, I can have a the square footage of a single car garage, for instance. You can have a lot more motorcycles in a garage that you can build than one car. So. I've I've definitely had more focus in uh, building old Japanese motorcycles today than anything. So, well, what would you say like the average? So, like, say I come to you and I okay. So let's let's this is this is how the interaction works. I find you online or whatever it is. How, how do how would I even find you? So you're gonna find a listing that I have for sale. I don't build anything for anybody. I oh, okay. Find a car, I, I, I can't request a, something from you. No. I, it. You could, but I'm not going to do it um, okay. because I it just takes away from my profit because I'm I don't need to charge an hourly rate because I know that I can take a motorcycle and have the hard cost of the motorcycle, put the restoration cost into it, and then sell it for X, whatever that might be. And every motorcycle, every car is different, so it's just way easier for me to be do it that way. And then having somebody say, Hey, can you build me this? Okay. Um, Cause I can do it myself and just, it's just, 
I can make I can maximize the profit that way, that and then sense. only charging yeah. somebody because they're going to want an hourly rate and everything. So, and it it's just easier. So, <laughs> but um, uh, do you do you have like inventory or is like you have one and then you sell one? You have one, you sell one. You have one, you sell one. You would be. I have a ton of inventory. Like and that's so, been, like like you have ten cars on deck right now, like something like that, yeah. or. Something like that. Okay. I, it's all, and a lot of them are in storage because that's almost like how I do my. That's, that's where my investments go. I mm -hmm. buy all my, all the cars, motorcycles, all those things are go up in value every single day, regardless of whether or not they are get restored or not. So I purchased a motorcycle for five hundred dollars five years ago. Well, that thing is now worth, you know. You know, it depends. It, it can be worth two grand, five grand, ten grand. It, it just depends on what it is. So, um, I just have so much stuff in storage that I know that are going to be future projects of mine that are kind of like my 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 savings account that I uh, tap into, and and that's what I work on. Just um, how do you know which one is going to be the next one? Just like, oh, I want to do this one. You just pick. I kind of pick and choose. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick and choose. I might just get, you know, a hair, you know, be like, yeah, let's do this one now. Or, you know, I might find a new car tomorrow that I might drop everything and say, that's when I focus. I won't drop everything, but I'll finish what I'm doing. And then that will be now my next project. Um, so stuff kind of um, changes up. But uh, I've known over the years, like I might have, I might be a little scatterbrained. I might have like four projects going at once and that just doesn't work well. I'll have to like focus on one particular thing at a time because that's what the most efficient what, what actually gets done because there's too many people out there today that have there's other people that do what i do and they have too much stuff going on and stuff never gets built so yeah um okay so then let's say i or not i so you what's the average time timeline obviously i'm sure it's very variable because it, 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 it varies stuff. a lot Yep, it but like a lot. six months to a year or no, five years. No, so like say this Ford Bronco that I'm doing, uh, it is getting it got a complete interior restoration. It doesn't need paint, uh, but a complete interior restoration and uh, mechanical overhaul, and that is currently being done right now. And so that probably that whole process. I'm hoping to have that car done. Interior just finished up. My dad helped me. We finished it. Uh, there's little odds and ends that need to get finished up. And then an engine, waiting on an engine that the original engines get rebuilt. Uh, it's supposed to be done any time. So hopefully we'll have that thing on the road. You might be seeing me in the gym here in the next month, you know, driving it. So that's one other thing that I love what I do is because I get to build also cool cars that I get to drive. So And keep if you uh, want to. And keep and enjoy and then sell and make and for a profit and move on to the next thing. So I get really... Uh, I never hold on to anything too much because uh, it's like, oh, there's always something else that I can build and, and something else that I can do. And so, because I love love the history of old cars and just how many variations of old cars that were built over the years. And that's why I said, like, I'm starting to now build 70s cars because they are, I first got into 30s, like you saw that car that I'd done. Um, yeah, see that Corvette? That's uh, My dad and I did that. We still have that car. 
that's a 66 that's a 66 uh corvette stingray that is all original and that's where we specifically i specifically like our cars or anything in our personal collection or what i deal in is original that's original paint original wheels original interior um and I don't have too many pictures out there. Unfortunately, I wish uh, I could pull them up, but I have them on my phone, but of stuff that I do. But yeah, that's just another example of, uh, of, because that, again, being a later model car like that, you can actually drive that thing and enjoy it. Because the 1930s stuff that I really first got into, um, you know, top speeds on cars were 30, 40 miles an hour. And that's all you needed to do back in the day. And, when your car tops out at 35 miles an hour, that's really hard to drive in today's uh, world. So that's why my focus has definitely been on the later model, uh, let's just say 50s on up uh, now, because uh, they're way more drivable. The drivability of cars like that are uh, uh, more fun for sure. Do you ever share with like how much something like this would go for if you sold it? So, or is yeah, that like I mean, secret? No, it's um. Where I've focused my wor work today is being is doing stuff that's original, like for instance this this Corvette, because this car in original condition is worth almost as much as what a restoration would cost. And if you were to restore that car, you would it would cost you so much money, you would be upside down in it. So keeping it original and not painting it and not doing chrome and but finding a good example of maybe having to just kind of like refresh it like put new brakes and this got a rebuild on the engine and um but again paint jobs cost so much today where you can spend twenty thousand dollars on a paint job well that car is worth probably sixty thousand today you know as is but to restore something like that you're gonna probably it's gonna cost you you know like i said you might be 20 grand into a paint job alone so when you start yeah. adding paint job, chrome, this, that, you're going to just be in hard costs, like as much as what an original car costs today. And people way more enjoy collecting original cars today than they did in the past. So, um, and as the saying goes, is like, you know, they're only original ones. So again, everything that I do, everything that I do is all kept in original condition, mostly. Some get restored, some don't. But, and again, that's why it varies. It just depends. So. Do you think that, or like not, I mean, it sounds like you could like see something on the street and you could like give a dollar value pretty close to it. Yes. Like that. Really? You like, uh, you, like you, you're all, pretty good at that? Like my dad and I love just like driving around and like going through like, uh, like alleyways and stuff and finding stuff. Cause I know values. I, I've learned values over the years of, uh, how to, um, you know, know what I can buy something for and resell it after the work is put into it. So, um, but yeah, so yeah. And that, that's like a specialty that that's kind of why you can it do is, it at your yeah. job, right? Like if and you can do like, that, then you know what the turn or the returns going to be. Or... Right. I couldn't just have you go out there and be like, Hey Cody, go, uh, you know, you need to know what stuff's worth and what you can buy stuff for and what you can resell it for. Cause yeah, if you don't, you can make some stupid purchases and be underwater real quick. So, you know, I have to, I've honed that skill, you know, already. So, which is nice. So is there a lot of, it's like, to me, it sounds like there's a lot of like sifting through a bunch of junk to find gold, For sure. Right. We've, uh, yeah, there, there's a show on, uh, 
History Channel called uh, American Pickers. Uh, I used to love people that show. Have, I used to watch all the people time. People watch that. That's totally kind of what I've. I don't do that, but I kind of been in situations like what you might see, like you know these more or less. I don't want to call them hoarders because there's not just like filth and like literal garbage around, but people that have like these lifelong collections that you dig through, and they've had these cars and motorcycles and memorabilia and parts that they've collected for years and you are sifting through stuff that you may not know you you you'll there's obviously stuff that you do know but there's also stuff that you don't know too and that's why my knowledge is constantly changing or building up on itself because uh you know maybe one of these days i might know everything about everything on cars but until that day you know i'm always learning about stuff and not because stuff always has a value i see value in so much out there and and uh yeah so that's awesome dude do you think uh is this going to be something you do for the rest of your life hope so i, I enjoy it i don't feel like i work every day so that's uh you know what they say you know if you don't uh you know if you love what you do you don't work a day in your life so i, I feel <laughs> i love i uh i love monday through fridays let's just say that i wish i could i i could do this seven days a week yeah that's i could awesome, be out man. in the garage working but my my, you know, outside of that would, would suffer greatly. So it's like, you got to have a work-life balance. So oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. But I thoroughly enjoy working and get, I don't get my hands dirty on a daily basis, but I also don't mind it either. So. And, uh, you started this like, cause your dad was good with cars and stuff too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So we'll go back at that. Yeah. yeah I was just, doing just this real quick, in, yeah. uh, real quick in, um, in, in college just doing it as a hobby just making some just side money doing you know and then it's kind of like you know thought that the the if the physical therapy thing didn't happen like maybe i can do this if i do this full time you know maybe i can make a living at it and you know my parents were supportive they definitely were unsure at first but they saw me really enjoying what i do and making some money at it and they're like you know what we support you thoroughly and you know, they've, uh, everyone that's been behind me, all my friends and family, they've all been, you know, definitely supportive of it. So, cause it's, again, it's, uh, being like a little small business owner running your own deal is, uh, hard, you know, you have to be motivated cause I can get up on any day of the week and be like, I don't want to work, but this is nice. You know, I don't have to work. So, you know, I can be kind of lazy certain days, but also when I, when I'm being lazy, I'm also not making any money. So the more the more time I put into work, the more money. You know, there's a direct inverse of the more time I'm working, the more money I'm making. So yeah, and right. I can uh, and uh, so so yeah, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, it's not something that I like. People would be able to guess about you or absolutely not. Yep, and when I they, when I it's when so I get unique. Some, somebody that you meet for the first time, they're like, "What do you do?" And they're like, "Wow, that's so cool." You know, I. Hundred, almost a hundred percent of the time when I tell somebody what I do, their first reaction is, "Wow, that is so cool." So it's yeah. uh, it's kind of neat, you know. So because I think a lot of people do, maybe do jobs that they don't exactly love, and I kind of feel bad for them because I love what I do, and I hope my kids eventually, when you know. I want them to be passionate about their job, and I am passionate about what I do every day, and. That's a unique thing to find, I think, because not 
not everybody out there can do what I do, granted, because mm-hmm. it has taken time, you know, but I've had the opportunity to t- have this time and to build something that's great. So that I love. Have, have you, has there ever been an opportunity like that you were ever approached by like, a TV show or anything like that where you could <laughs> my, I feel like I feel my, like you could have a TV show or something like this like this is like a special my, you know, like counts customs or whatever like it's like the same type of thing right 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 um, I again my mom's been my biggest supporter of throughout most things in life and she's always been like you you and your dad should have a TV show you Dude, know with doing what sure. you do you know with like going out and doing <laughs> and it's like I don't think of myself as an interesting guy, nor is my dad. So we're like, we don't, obviously, you know, who would want to watch us? But we, uh, yeah, there's definitely, no, we've never had any like opportunities. We've had some top, I've been in numerous magazines. I've had cars in magazines before and, and had contributions to magazines in the past. Perfect. uh, Brings me right to what I was going to bring up next. (laughs) So, so, um, If you just Google your name, this photo comes up, and I thought it was hilarious. Do you know what photo I'm going to pull up? Oh, I know exactly what photo. <laughs> yep, that's it. Dude. <laughs> Hold on. I may... What is this? Well, there's so this the car, the obviously. Right. Well, I... What is this? What is this promotion? <laughs> Why it's does this so exist? It's so funny. It says Sports Illustrated Classic. What is that? Dude, look at this your hair. This is for a Matt. This is for a magazine, yeah. July tenth, no. twenty thirteen. So that car, that truck of mine, has been in a bunch of magazines. So, which was cool. Okay. <laughs> was why? Like, w- w- why? Why? Just because it's super special? I mean, obviously, it's I don't unique. know anything. Yeah, because it's, it's special. Cool. You know, it, it's unique, and that's, you know, a lot of people copy that. Like that, the way that's built. There's, there's definitely other cars out there that people built that have copied that design. Really? It's just okay. the way, the way it looks, the way it sits, the certain parts that are on it, those wheels, those wheels are really unique on that car, on that truck. And, um, I started, I was the pioneer of a lot of that stuff. And, um, and seeing like, again, I was, when did this, what year is July, this? July 10th, 2013. It's right here. I don't know if you can see it that, that well. But 2013, it says 2013 Bonneville Speed Week. Posing in front of your 1936 Ford International during photo shoot at Bonneville Salt Flat Salt Flat Racetrack, Wendover, Utah. Yeah, so we sports, used to take and it's Sports Illustrated, to, like you said. I don't know what that is because I don't think that shot was never for Sports Illustrated, which is weird. But uh, really, okay, that's kind of funny how that gets pulled up. Yeah, that was for a car. That was for um, uh, uh, that was for a Hot Rod magazine. I just thought it was and so funny. <laughs> that was one of many times like that particular truck has been featured in a magazine. You I don't know if they use my. I don't know if they put me in there with no shirt on. Which yeah, probably funny, not. But, but, uh, yeah. Hey, but it's it's a good it's a good photo. Um, yeah. Do you uh, do you talk to like the owners after you sell it? Like, or do you like stay in contact with them? I don't, like, I, I wish I did because there's definitely been cars that I miss that I You'd be like don't hey like, I know how, yeah exactly how how that I don't have anymore that I'm like ah I wish I would buy stuff back you know I I'm okay with having that car gone because it's not very comfortable to drive but there's a I got into Volkswagens uh, old 1960s Volkswagens really hard and heavy some years back and uh, I built a Volkswagen bus a split window bus the really cool. 
um, hippie wagons is you know, hippie vans that people uh, drive around that you can that you'll see. And um, I built one, a few of those over the years, but uh, one this one specific one that I used to drive every single day, every single day. But I sold, you know, again, I do this for, you know, for for a living too. So I can't keep stuff forever either. So I sold it and bought the house I'm in now. You know, that's one of the helped put the, the sold that because I bought it for X and sold it for, you know, X amount of dollars after that, you know, and, you know, it went up in value and sold it. And again, took the profits and put that into a down a deposit, uh, the down payment of uh, the house I'm in now. So I had to make the adult decision to uh, move on, you know, and, and, it's like those little things that build up and, you know, now in this, you know, beautiful house that I'm in now. <laughs> and again, it's all hard work that, you know, it's not like it just got given to me. I had to That's put a right, lot dude. of work in and put the, you know, put the work in and make that thing something that somebody else would want to buy from me. So, so next, uh, next step, you're getting married soon. Getting married soon. That's exciting, Absolutely. dude. Congrats. Yeah. You and me both. I know, dude. A month after each other. It's awesome, dude. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Um, my, this was a long time fi- in the making, huh? Yes, it was. <laughs> yep. Met my fiance, Robin. Uh, some of you. Yeah, how, how'd you, how'd you meet listen. Robin? Met her at the gym. So see, Really? Not only do you meet your potential future spouse, but you also meet, you know, like I said prior, you meet good people, good friends, and you might meet your forever partner too. That's right. Is, that's, uh, that's, that's what I you do. You and I, uh, yeah. you know, and actually there's a lot of people that you start like seeing the people at the gym that meet their, uh, you know, their future wife or husbands. And it's like, wow, look at what the gym can, you know, Well, it makes create. sense, right? Like, because you guys are there, you guys see each other all the time like-minded working hard probably have like this you know similar type of beliefs to be able to for sure want to change your health and your fitness exactly right sometimes you see them in less clothing than normal so that might help too (laughs) right like i always say with robin i always used to work out in front of her so it must have been you know it was the vice versa (laughs) exactly take your shirt off right every single day every single day she'd come and i don't know i don't think it was every single day but those days when I would see, I would never forget, like pulling up to class, be like, "Oh, look at that white car!" And it, it was Robin's, and uh, oh, you know, it was always cool. being like the, you know, the highlight. She she used to live up in Truckee uh, during that time when we met, and um, I remember we always talk after class and walk out together, and uh, and God, it was just you know we talked for you know ever weeks and months and whatever, and then. She was the one that made the first. Uh, she initiated. She's like, hey, "Really? You want to go snow? You want to go snowboarding?" And that was our first, like, quote unquote, date that we went on. And uh, what are we? Four years later, you know. That's oh, awesome, dude. Four or five years later, we are uh, getting married. So yeah, we're getting married in Cabo in uh, September. Right, yep, yeah, that's yep. awesome. It's coming up quick, dude. Six months away. For sure, it's uh, it's gonna be great. It's super excited and can't wait. That's so funny. I, di- I didn't know Robin made the first move, but it totally makes she sense. She did, yeah. She, we, we, we <laughs> of course she that. did. <laughs> yeah. It was, awesome, it was funny. Yeah, we, uh, I'll never forget one of the first times I was like uncertain like if she was like dating anybody. And I'll never forget the first day. It was I'll never forget it was Valentine's Day one day. And I'm like, the, you know, I got nothing going on. I'm just, you know, it's like, I, and we, we would talk every single day. And we were stretching. I remember we were doing our, we were 
always stretch after class and uh, we were stressing it was like oh here's a good time to see if she, like, she's got any like plans and if she's dating anybody i was like and i asked her if she was going to uh be saying any or if she had any plans for later on in that day and, and uh she's like no i'm just going home i'm like huh okay maybe she is single and then next thing you know you know she's asking me to go snowboarding and again look where we are now <laughs> that's awesome man great story i love it so yeah Remember this? Oh, we were just talking about guys. this today. We were. <laughs> this is our RTO team from 2019 when I first started the gym. Did, did you know mo any of these people other than like our group? I only knew Lindsay, and I actually had. I did not. I can't. <clears throat> Obviously, a, I didn't I either. Yeah. yeah, and so that was such a great time. I loved the RTO, and that was one of my fondest memories of just, you know. You had done it before a, this, right? This was like your second or third I time. I had done it before, but this time was different because we had a much more competitive team. Like, I mean, I remember our other fan. Like, I remember Lindsay was like, yeah, these guys are all like, I remember that she was Dude, saying they, were like, studs. they can run per, yeah. per mile, their mile time. I'm like, why, why do they want us? We're just a couple of guys from CrossFit that, <laughs> yeah, we're fit, but like, we're not runners. I'm not a runner. Like, I still not a runner today. Dude, but not I at all. I, I had been do. doing fitness for, I've been doing CrossFit for four months at this point, five months. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so, but these, it, these uh, kids were all like all like cross country and shit. It, and I still say today, like if I had that opportunity to do it again, I'd do it again. Absolutely, like I and I, yeah. I promote that to people. Like if you have done, you've never done RTO because it's such, it's a competition. It's also got you know like minded people that you're working out with, and it's all it just brings back kind of like a CrossFit type of a mentality and just a good time. And you know you'll finish that workout and just you know, be high on, you know, dopamine and just like, this was so much fun, but it was so hard at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, I, I only, I only knew you and Lindsay too. And then obviously like we met Jeremy and Jesse cause they were with us, but I didn't. Right. We had been up for, Oh, look at that. Yeah. Damn. Virginia city. Jeez. That's good. Good times. Yeah, we hardly even knew you then. I know. I, I knew just, of you. Like, we knew each other, but nowhere near like what we exactly, got Exactly. No, exactly. It was yeah. just like, we went to 4 o'clock, and yeah. I just started, and Lindsay's like, hey, you want to be on this RTO team? And I was like, right. sure. I, I don't know what that means, or like, I don't know what it's going to be like, but let's just fucking do it. Good times. Running 15 miles, and I said, like yesterday, I was talking to Steve. I'm like, man, that was 15 more miles than I had ever run before in my life. Me and, too. <laughs> but, you know, I had like three five-mile legs and, you know, hated but enjoyed every bit of it. Yeah, it was – like it's – I mean, it, it kind of sucks while you're doing it. Like mainly because you can't sleep, right? You're fucking tired. You're basically up oh, for 24 hours. That's the hardest part. Yeah, it's like – But otherwise, it's just like you just – you just do it. You just when run. You're running at like 11 o'clock at night or four in the morning. And it's like, I yeah, should exactly. not be out here doing this, but, uh, uh, you know, you're doing it for, uh, you know, the race that comes once a year and you know, you yeah. got a team, you got a team that's counting on you. So, um, I kind of want to just close it out with some bad touch highlights. Have you, have, you, have you listened to this one already? Have you Love them. Oh, yeah. Dude, they're, they're so funny. Kickstarter held up on the podium, but it's Ken Roxon out to an early lead. 
Sexton around Roxon into P1, rocking the visor on his helmet, something we haven't seen for a while. But we got a battle going on for the final transfer spot. It's Kyle Chisholm coming into Cartwright every chance he gets. Cartwright gives him a gift and washes the front end, but Chisholm can't avoid it and goes down with him. Cartwright picks his bike up, pushes Alex. a button, and cruises off into the so main. Roxon fanboys are silent. Four for the LCQ. Chisholm out by four bike lengths, but manages to get six around the first turn. Red flag. Must have been a bad crash. Let's see what's going on. Nope, the fucking gate just bounced up and everyone made it over fine anyway. The restart looks exactly the same as the first one as Josh Hill skips past Justin Starling quicker than his wife swap episode. Kyle Chisholm in for the 450 LCQ win. 450 main, honestly one of the best main events I've ever seen, but we got AC9 with the whole shot now to an early lead. Couple of tall guys out front so you know the comments coming and we finally get to hear it when Plessinger goes by Cinderella in the whoops and Ricky says he gets to use his long legs. All the fast guys are bunched up early in the moto, so you know Barsh is about to go on a Bam Bam spree, getting to start off early on Adam Cincerello right here. Tomac even showing some rare signs of aggression on the red plate holder Paul Webb, and Webb gets him right back a couple corners later. Paul. Webb and Tomac playing cat and mouse, and you Paul know Webb. Barsh is foaming at the mouth back there, looking at all these doors being left open. Cowboys marketing man. team thinks they're going to get some free content right here with both riders <laughs> side by side until Anderson gets bucked off the front. Barsha coming up the inside of Sexton, but Sexton pushes right back, treading lightly, making sure he doesn't end up with the Mike Metzger look for the 18th race in the round. <laughs> 450 Heat 2, me praying we don't get in. Oh, man. So good. Out. These are so good. <laughs> yeah. So shout good. out Bad Touch Supply. Shout out Alex. He yep. does the, the Supercross highlights. They're fucking so hilarious. Buy Bad Touch gloves. Every week he does the 250 and 450s. Dude, they're so funny. What are you? What are your thoughts on the season so far? Just like overall takeaway. Uh, I love Eli Tomac, and man, it's weird right now. It's a weird. Uh, uh, the 250 East best. Best racing right now. 250 West, we're going. I think they're racing in Seattle on Saturday. 250 West is a little boring because uh, uh, Jet is dominant and nobody else can touch him. And I know East was kind of the same, but you know, uh, Deegan and you know he's put some uh, on the East. Uh, he's for the 250s. Just that's you never know what's going to happen for that. And then the 450s, it's uh, always a good time to watch, but. Uh, yeah, Tomac's in this little weird little slump that he's in, and hopefully he'll uh, he'll pick it up because I'd love to see him uh, win this championship. You think he will? You I think, think he will. Can. Yeah, I, he's like he's, if you had to put money on it right now, what do you win? He's got he's got fifty wins for a reason. You know what he's doing. You know, I just think uh, they got bike issues. Uh, they got bike issues to figure out as. Uh, people that I follow and James Stewart and everybody that says, you know, he looks like old Eli Tomac back in the Kawasaki days where he'd just kind of ride around and look uncomfortable on a bike. But, uh, I mean, he did really well for, he's already won five races so far and, you know, nowhere near if no one else has come close to that. So, you know, hopefully, uh, I know he's only three points behind uh, Webb right now. It's super close, but I think he'll win. I think he'll uh, he knows how to win and he's going to do what he needs to do to 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 win this championship because he's not got much longer. Yeah, I think this he's probably this last year, right? And he wants to obviously go out. You know what's interesting? Like uh, there was just this week he was interviewed and he it's going to be confirmed. I think this month. I think they said it was uh, for the re-signing potentially. Because he's okay. going to finish out the the motocross series, which was not supposed to happen, and then they talked about 2014, and they said, 
He didn't say no, but he also didn't say yes. So Okay. Keeping it in that you never know. You know, you never know. I just right now it doesn't look like he's having a whole hell of a lot of fun, which sucks, but uh I just because uh, I think the wins are a lot harder than they used to be. So Yeah, there's which, there's a lot of competition. Everybody's good. I mean everyone's good and it's hard to be that much better than somebody who's the best in the world too, you yeah. know? So when they're all the best in the world, it's hard to be that much better than the next guys. So uh, I think it, it can be, it can go either way, but like if he loses this year, maybe he definitely doesn't retire because he doesn't want to go out with a loss and he wants to come back and redeem himself. But I he could, could see just be that. like, but maybe then he's also like, well, that was it. Or the other side, if he wins, then he wants to go out on top. And doesn't want to. There's definitely it, but, two sides of that because yeah. it's like, yeah, how do you you want to go out on top? Which, but if he would have gone out on top, that would have been last year because he damn near had a perfect season last year. Yeah, and he was super he was cross about moto, to. cross motocross the nations. But then he goes this year, and this year's been more difficult for sure. Um, but yet, you know, he also makes a bunch of money too. He, maybe he doesn't need that money, you know. But he's it, there's not a, the drive or the 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 want like like some of the new up and coming people have, or you know, like the Aaron Plessinger last week that's never won a race before. He wants to win so bad, and Tomac is like he's riding smart. He's not riding over his head to crash, you know, because he knows there's the big picture at the end. But yet. You've got these guys that all they want to do is win, like the Chase Sexton, and they're doing everything they can to win. Where it doesn't seem like he's doing that right now, and he's got to figure that out. But I have faith in the guy that he's going to figure it out. But uh, there's definitely guys that seem to want it a little bit more than him. Is Chase like your number two for favorite? Chase my number two for sure. Yeah. Tom uh, Webb, no way. I know. I don't like Webb either. <laughs> I'm not a Webb fan. Nope. I, Me neither. I know he's good. I respect that, but I'm just not I a fan. I respect that he's good, but I'm not a fan. I don't like him out, off, off the track. You know, yeah, he's a good writer, but man, off the track, you got to. Some people might say Tomac's not got the best person. I was, was going to say, but, people will say that exactly, you know, to you about Tomac. Like, he's just boring, especially Alex. Alex right. says that all the time. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, Tomac is boring. He doesn't, he's not right. Anderson or Barsha. He just right. he runs as Ricky says he's he runs his gets his lines runs his lines whatever he says and just he gets dialed in. Yep, yep. And he Hit, you know hits Tom, his marks. You know has his little compound in Colorado and that's where he trains and does everything. You never see anything about him during the week. But uh, he actually just he had a thing on Instagram. He was riding in the mud uh, this week, which is kind of cool. But uh, he's out there actually like putting in the work when it's really easy to say, yeah, no, I don't want to ride today type of a thing but uh um yeah just he's he's my guy and you know until i've liked how dominant he's been and you know he's up there with james and ricky carmichael for the overall wins and that's a pretty special place to be so yeah i think he's gonna be second overall and yeah he'll he'll be second for sure he'll pass james yeah he'll never be first because that's like 20 points from Jeremy McGrath, but he already 20 wins. Uh, yeah, Jeremy is like now. 72 or something. He'll he have to be racing for a few more years, which is not out of the picture, but, you know, not out of the realm because he's only 30, uh, Eli Tomac is, but uh, to be at that top level is uh, a little pretty demanding. Oh, yeah. Can't even imagine the stress that, and the pressure that those guys I don't see him for. going for more than next year if he's not done yeah oh year. if anything it's gonna be 2014 and and that's a maybe but exactly uh, it'll yeah. be it'll be exciting to see him race uh this this uh summer 
in motocross because that's uh i think that's when the real speed and you know it takes it definitely takes uh uh, skill to do the what they do in Supercross, but man, doing what they do in Motocross is a whole another level. Yep. The speed in the race and the what they do, <laughs> it's crazy. I I love it. Love watching it. Yeah, it's fun to watch on TV, right? Like going to outdoor, but like in person. Oh, outdoors. Like, and just like not going fun in to person. going to a like a Hangtown. I've raced at Hangtown. That's the first race they do every year. I've raced on that race or that racetrack watched racing and the tv doesn't do it justice like what how fast they're going and how oh, yeah. big the jump yeah. how big the jumps are and how gnarly everything is it's insane and that's why i really you know it's just unfortunate because there's no money in motocross and uh there's no money so none of those guys like it just doesn't pull the you know the the contracts and like the it's so hard to follow it during the summer because like it's on some weird channel, like one moto's on one channel and the other moto's on another, like Mav TV and some other channels got the first moto and it's just hard to follow, but thank God for social media because they'll follow it that way. But uh, it's a little harder to follow for sure. Cause they yeah, get, it, it they is kind of strange how it, how it, there's no coverage, like good coverage. Oh, the, the coverage is terrible. Yeah. And I mean, Supergrass still has its challenges. I mean, Supergrass still isn't, you know, prime time but it's definitely better than uh than what it used to be for sure five dollars on peacock it's all it is <laughs> I know, which is great thank god yeah otherwise you remember you had to pay you had to pay like 60 bucks or something a year for nbc gold or whatever NBC it was gold. nbc god, sports before that gold, used to be like on that. uh speed network or speed oh, yeah. channel or yeah, whatever speed. oh my god speed. um god remember fuel tv fuel, fuel tv <laughs> yeah. and all just action sports stuff on it but yeah. uh and that's why i think like my like childhood and growing up is so different than like the this is i used to that's all i watched i all only watched was motocross and supercross and that stuff i never never followed football never did any of that and and that's why, like, when people try to have, like, I try to have my like, football conversation, I'm like, I don't know anything about football. I can talk talk to you. And that's like, my God, we're an hour and a half into this and just talking about motocross and CrossFit and stuff and all just, you know, yeah, my life. Goes by quick, dude. Goes by quick, man. Yeah, man. I mean, well, on that note, we can uh, we can wrap it up. I think uh, this was a good episode. and Great episode. Love being yeah, on it. Yeah, Love yeah, loved, yeah, uh, having the opportunity. Dude, thank you. Well, yeah, thanks for being here. It's uh, it's awesome to have you on, and you had an awesome story. Like, I learned a bunch of stuff that I didn't know about you. And oh yeah, um, I've been at it a long time and seen, and you know what? And that's what I love. Like where I'm at today is love seeing the up and coming people. You know, because I was once there, and I had the struggles, and I overcame those. And you know, at the end of the day, it's just hard work. You know, put in the dedication at the gym, and you know, you'll get so many positive you know outcomes because of it you know you'll get to see i love seeing people today get their first muscle up or their first you know pull up or whatever you you name it you know getting their first i love seeing that today because you know again i was once there and you know i love to uh support people today and and see people succeed and love something that i so dearly love you know is crossfit because it's changed my life you know, it's well, changed my life, and it's yeah. it's such a big part of my life. So, and again, I thank Double Edge every day. You know, and Jacob every day, and the people around Double Edge in the community. 
Um, all right, y'all. Well, we're going to wrap it up. That's uh, episode eight with Ryan Hamill. Um, Hamilton 8 on Instagram if people want to yeah. find you. Right? Give That's you a it. follow. Um, Childhood nickname. That, that's there. a good nickname, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so it was a brother, brothers, brothers, friends. You know, they started it, and then that just slowly, you know, trickled down to me. Hamilton. So. Lindsay says, "Good job, Brian." Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for hanging with us, Lindsay. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Go give uh, Ryan a follow. Leave a uh, leave me a review. Um, I don't know any uh, comments on what you want or what you thought of Ryan's story and. Uh, We'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks for being here, Ryan. I'll, uh, I'll see you later, bro. Cool. Thanks, man. Have a good see night. Ya. See you guys. Peace.